Hi there, welcome to episode two of Uncle Salem Speaks. Uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Um, today I was going to get a little bit, maybe a little bit personal. Um, even though I'm going to talk about something that might not sound like a personal topic right offhand, which is professional wrestling. Now, <laughs> I know a lot of people sneer and I get it totally, but I started watching wrestling like so many people did back in the eighties as a young kid. And you know what you see, you see a bunch of brightly colored superheroes jumping around and getting on the mic. Some of them are really good on the mic. Some of them not so good on the mic, but the first wrestler that really won me over was macho man, Randy Savage. And that was when I first kind of got it. I kind of understood it. Before that, I was like, what, is this real or what, is it fake? And look, one thing it's not is fake. These guys are really doing these moves and they're really taking bumps and they hate it when you call it fake. Scripted is a lot different than phony. So anyway, when I really got it was Macho Man was a heel and he was fighting against, you know, other good guys. And I think in this match, it was either... It was either Tito Santana or Ricky Steamboat. And uh, one of them went to go after Macho Man. And he pushed his valet, the lovely Elizabeth, in front of him. And comically, like he was scared of, I think it was Steamboat. And uh, right then I, I laughed and I'm like, oh, okay. This guy I get. He's trying to be funny. So that really, really stayed with me. So I would still like, you know, I'd still root for a lot of the baby faces. I never liked Hogan as a kid. It took me a long time to come around to having any kind of, uh, um, I guess not affection, but you know, just, I didn't like him that much when I was a kid because he never lost. So you always knew the outcome of his matches. So it was boring. So I always, I kind of went to Macho Man and uh, I remember my dad got the pay-per-view where Macho Man won the world championship. He had to fight through a bunch of people at WrestleMania. And uh, we actually got to go to a show around that time period. My dad bought us tickets to a local arena. It was called the IMA at the time. And we went to see Macho Man. Other people that were on the card was Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. Who people used to tell my dad he looked like. I'm sure he wasn't completely thrilled about that. Later years he got Triple H. Which he didn't mind as much. <laughs> but um, uh, who else was on the card? It was. It turned out to be. Sid Justice. First match. Sid Vicious's first match. And he was filling in for Roddy Piper. Which was disappointing. Because we wanted to see Roddy Piper. You know. The guy that hates rock and roll and, you know, he wants to fight Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. So we're walking into the arena, me and my dad, and he bought me a Macho Man shirt. That was like the first thing we did. It was purple, those classic Macho Man shirts. And we're standing there waiting by the walkthrough and there's a little plastic guard. The wall doesn't go all the way up. It's about probably four or five feet high. And the wrestlers were coming in. Lo and behold, 
here comes Miss Elizabeth. So we're all standing there. I'm leaning on the window on the glass. Actually, it's like plexiglass. And Elizabeth comes walking by. And I like, I like wave at her. And the macho man comes running up from behind her. Puts his pinky in my face and goes, oh, yeah, don't be looking at Elizabeth. No. He just wig, put that pinky right in my face. And then he winked at me. A little smile winked and walked off. So, of course, you know, that's that does it. You're a young kid and something like that happens. Your allegiance goes to that human being forever. <laughs> On top of that, though, I started to notice that Macho Man was probably one of the more skilled wrestlers that I've ever seen because he could do everything. He had the total package. He was hilarious on the mic. He had a kind of pathos that made you root for him, even when you knew he was wrong. Um, and he could do high flying stuff. He could wrestle on the mat. He could wrestle technical matches. He could just do pretty much everything that a pro wrestler needs to be able to do. And he was volatile, of course. But that's beside the point. I always thought he was hilarious. So a lot of years go by, you know, and I start watching. I stopped watching wrestling for quite a few years. You know, high school, it's, you know, you, you lose track of stuff like that. So I think it was about my mid-20s, early to mid-20s, I kind of start watching WCW. And now I never liked Ric Flair. That's another guy I never liked. I always thought, oh, that guy, no, he's not WWF, which was, I was... 100% WWF as a kid. Ric Flair was WCW. Now, I got Ric Flair. Watching WCW Nitro, Ric Flair came out. He had the mic, and of course, he was hilarious. He was the funniest guy I ever seen to that point. And still now, it's between him, The Rock, and Chris Jericho, in my opinion. But anyway... So I started watching wrestling again, WCW, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, it's the invasion, Hulk Hogan goes bad, Macho Man come, is there, you know, Sting. So I was watching wrestling religiously when WCW went under and the WWE now bought it. And it was very disappointing, the takeover was disappointing. You know, they didn't have Goldberg. They didn't have any of the, the big guys. They just had, like, you know, the smaller guys. And it fizzled out for me, and I lost interest. I wasn't interested in the Attitude Era stuff. I wasn't interested in the Divas and the swearing and all that. It just wasn't what I was watching for. So, my sons, you know, they kind of got into it as they were getting older. And uh, they were watching it. Every once in a while, I'd, I'd you know, check in to see what was going on. So Mick Foley make me laugh, you know. Check to see if Ric Flair was up to anything. The Rock versus Goldberg. I think that was the only pay-per-view I rented in the 2000s. And it was hilarious, of course, because The Rock is a great heel. But, of course, the years go by, and... My son, Zach, was still really into wrestling. So, last year I thought, well, you know what? He really loves talking about this stuff, and I'm kind of peripherally interested. I'm going to start watching it again. 
then me and him can talk about it, you know, and have something to, to, you know, just bond over. Like me and my dad sort of did. My dad never got hardcore into it, but he encouraged it. He bought the pay-per-view. He took me to see Macho Man, you know, all that cool stuff. My grandpa took me to see Sergeant Slaughter. So I had bonded with the older generation over pro wrestling. I also met Sergeant Slaughter. That was really cool, but that's a different story. So during the year, I really started getting into wrestling. More so when my dad was hospitalized. And um, it was a bad hospitalization. He was in there for a lot of months. I stopped wanting to do all the things that I had been doing, such as writing. Um, I never stopped making music or wanting to make music, but it was more like, okay, we have a show date here. Okay, we'll practice here, and then we'll play the show. It was more you know, duty, even though I was still loving it. it. And it was a reprieve from, you know, the feelings that I was having about my dad being hospitalized. But over that time period, I was watching every hour of wrestling imaginable because it was, you know, that escape. It was these characters. It was just something you could turn all the thought off and just watch these guys jump around. and So I really got back into it. And I started watching all the WWE shows. Which are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I started watching AEW when they came on. With Jericho. Which is you know a new league. And uh, it's kind of tough. Because my dad passed away in January. And I really retreated in a lot of ways to things like wrestling. You know, um, not as a substitute for anything, just as a mindless way to to uh, escape. So it turned into something where the way I am is I'm obsessive about pretty much everything if I get into it. So I start going back and reading books about wrestling. And pretty soon, um, <laughs> I'm watching, you know, 10 hours of wrestling a week or whatever. And I'm reading books about them, listening to audio books. I'm watching documentaries. And there you have it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm back in full, you know, more than I even was before in some ways. And uh, then, of course, the coronavirus hit. Wrestling starts coming out with uh, without a crowd, which is the weirdest thing ever. But, you know, I still keep watching. And I, I, I do feel that they probably should shut it down. It's dangerous for, you know, the wrestlers. And, it, and you know, it, it, they just should shut it down. They shouldn't be doing these shows to open crowds. I mean, to no crowds, probably. They only work to varying degrees. Um, but last night I watched the first night of uh, WrestleMania. Because there are two nights this year for the first time ever. And I watched it with uh, a couple of my kids. And there we were. We were back into the, you know, I could see it totally. 
me as a kid, my friends Joe and Matt, watching wrestling, watching the superheroes, just getting into the storylines. I started to realize my daughter in particular, she didn't care. <laughs> she didn't care that there wasn't a crowd. She would see the guys. She'd start rooting for them. She's chanting Goldberg, you know. She really liked The Undertaker, and uh, she kept on telling AJ Styles that he, he would rest in peace. She was giggling, laughing, jumping around. Um, my son was getting into it, too, to a lesser degree, but he he was he was pretty absorbed by it. Uh, my wife, that's probably another story, but she, she had a little bit of fun. I think she'd admit it. But So I think the bottom line is, you know, it's not so much that wrestling is providing this huge um, uh, cultural, um, you know, it's not, it's not just, it's not something that you could, you're not turning on for the art, put it that way. You're turning it on for an escape. And at this time right now, there's very little by way of live television. Uh, there's no sporting events. I, I think we watched a horse race one night. I just turned it on to be funny, to make my wife laugh. Cause like, I miss basketball that much that I'm going to watch horse racing. Which I do miss basketball, man. But um, wrestling is kind of filling a small void for as long as they do it. And I, and I sincerely hope they shut it down for a while after WrestleMania. Because it's not, it's not good for the wrestlers to keep doing it. But while they're doing it, I, I, you know, the cynical side of me says, well, they're doing it to cash in, of course. And that's probably part of it, but... The little kid side of me says, hey, look at those superheroes running and jumping around and give me a few uh, a few minutes of escape from, you know, this crazy epidemic, this crazy pandemic that's kind of dominating everything around us. So that's not really in defense of wrestling. It's more or less kind of uh, just <laughs> observational. Uh, I will say that I, I think that wrestling did help me a little bit last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. Uh, but yeah, so that's a, just one little take on it. Um, you know, I still have my favorites. I have guys that I watch and follow. I know that it's scripted. We know that it's a men's sports soap opera, <laughs> but you know, it's kind of fun. And that's, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that for now. So thanks for listening in. And uh, I'll see you back here for episode three. Whatever that's going to be about. I don't know yet. This is Uncle Salem. Thanks a lot. Take care of each other. Be safe.